All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It is time to celebrate, Chris. My name is David Quadrella. You are listening to the Canucks Conversation Podcast. We are hype. The Canucks won a playoff game last night. They won a playoff series last night. Well, postseason series, but it counts just the same in my heart. I've had an extra large coffee. You're working on a medium coffee for the size of our bodies. That's the perfect yep, mix. 100%. Fired up early on this Saturday morning. Uh, it was a late night last night. When we got overtime, I was thinking, we were both texting each other. We are like, man, we got to record tomorrow morning. You had to edit my post-game article that I was writing. Uh, we were getting worried, and then 11 seconds into overtime, Chris Tanev, oh. the heart of the team, according to Quinn Hughes, uh, Love it. scores a goal there. Unbelievable. Chris Tanev, the overtime magic. And yeah, it's the first series that they've won since uh, 2011, since Kevin Bieksa scored against uh, the stanchion goal against the San Jose Sharks. Since Harmon was wearing glasses. And that was hilarious. I had like hair down to my shoulders. I still almost. haven't seen your picture to be you honest. You haven't? No. I, I think you, you've probably seen it before. I probably showed you. You've probably seen it maybe on my Instagram or whatever. Okay. Yeah. I went to bed like as soon as I finished that report. I told you. I was like, hey, you edit. I'm going to bed because I knew I had to wake up at like Man, 6.45. I, I could not fall asleep last night and I messaged the Canucks Army Slack because I'm so excited. Like we have so many good writers at Canucks Army right now that like... I'm I'm so confident we're just going to keep knocking this out of the park because I was so happy with how we covered the wild, like Brett Lee with all those analysis pieces that he does. It's just, oh man, I'm so excited for the next series. And I mean, we're going to talk about that later on the show. We're hoping to be joined. We are brought to you by Parallel 49 as well. Just so you know. Yes, we we are. That I'm yet. too excited to talk about I know. Sponsors. Well, we got to get a sponsor in there. We do. We're talking to the man himself. The button didn't work. Yeah, because you got no sound. You've zoomed out. Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Drant. Yeah, right now we're just getting voicemail from... Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Drant. Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Drant. Thomas Drant only is uh, giving us his voicemail right now. We, we may be joined by him later on the episode, so maybe not. I have a theory of why Drant didn't answer his phone. So I messaged him at around... Got lit last night. No, no, I don't think so. I messaged him around 12.30 last night. I uh, just sent, shot him a quick message. One thirty, his time. Yes, exactly. And hey, that's foreshadowing. I think that's exactly where the breakdown in communication happened. I said, hey, good for 8.30. Uh, and he said, yeah, got to record the VanCast at 9, though. So I'll give you a half hour. So, so he's recording the VanCast right now. I'm assuming that's exactly what's happening. So I don't want to keep calling him. Did we get a text? Nope, my phone went off. I was hoping it was a text from Drance. It's not. Um, but 
we're hoping to have Thomas Drance on this episode. We might just, you know, if we don't, whatever. We might just bring him in like while we're recording. Like if he calls <laughs> us while we're talking, we'll just stop what we're talking about and bring him into the conversation because I think that's just Pete Canucks combo. Sure. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, but yeah, let's let's wrap it up, man. We had back to back days of Canucks games. We had the early morning game on Thursday, and then the late night game on Friday. What do you think of the Thursday game? Three nothing win. Big yeah, win for the Canucks. Great win. Uh, you know, it was really evident that the Canucks were probably going to win this series. I think after that game, I think you know the Wild just didn't have any momentum going for them in the series. And three game sweep, if you ask me. No, but it wasn't. They sweat. Well, three wins in a row. I know, I but that's a reach. Out. That's a reach. I should have tweeted out three wins. You row. calling a sweep is still my absolute favorite thing. And then they're just then just not showing up in game one. Oh, like, Canucks is that? That for was me. so funny that they just like they were like, "Nah, screw your bet. We're not even going to play in game one." Like that, you can't even compare the two games of game one and now. And here's the thing that I found really interesting: the Wild are such a good team with their system. And the way I was looking at it, you know, I saw a couple people panicking, but not too many. But there were people that were saying like, man, the Wild are just going to play their system so well and the Canucks aren't going to be able to penetrate it. But, <laughs> penetrate. Um, they on. they used they used their system perfectly, to a T. And what I was looking at is, okay, the Canucks are playing some of their worst hockey right now. Like, would you agree that was probably their worst game of the season? The first one? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was a tough game. They couldn't penetrate... At all into huh. that uh, Minnesota Wild defense, and then they they worked around it. I mean, it seemed like they got better at actually just getting shots on net and getting shots fired in. Like that defense was just too good in in game one, and I think the Canucks weren't. You know, they were trying to attack from the outside like they always do, but uh, you know, it took a while to get in there, and they finally did eventually. So I was happy with that game two, three, and four. Uh, all of them look good. Uh, we'll get into Markstrom being a little bit shaky, obviously, in game four. That was kind of a letdown. Uh, but I think we're gonna we're gonna bring Drance right in now. I we guess. are gonna bring Drance. So we're in just right gonna now. call him. We'll let him know we're recording right now, and uh, yeah, he, we'll get going. He just texted me. He said he slept in. So here we go. We got 15 minutes of Thomas Drance, but this is just yeah. I don't know if we're gonna cut this. Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Drance. <laughs> no, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> hey, quad. Sorry, bud. No, no on? worries, Drancer. We're 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 actually live on the show right now, so we're just gonna <laughs> hop Perfect. into it with you. I hope you're well rested. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. What's your what's your situation like in the Edmonton bubble? You liking it there so far? I'm loving it, man. I'm seeing you know, I saw sixteen games in six days. You'll never get a chance to see sixteen like high intensity, high stakes NHL playoff games in that like tight a time span uh ever again in your life. You know, it is a completely surreal, completely unique experience. It's been awesome. From a pure spectator point of view, what has been the most entertaining game for you so far to watch? I'd probably game one of Jets versus Flames. Good choice. That, that sort of up there for me. That was just such a tough, such a chippy game. Like those two teams just came out of the gate hating each other. The Mark Tyson injury happened early. Uh, tons of yelling, tons of cursing, tons of hits. You know, ultimately Calgary ended up pulling away uh, in the series. Uh, but I tend to think that's sort of up there. Uh, you know, game two, Wild Canucks, I thought was a game that was really played with ill intent by both sides. It's a really intense uh, game as well. That sort of is up there for me as well. And then, you know, the Flames, or sorry, the Colorado Avalanche-St. Louis game, Colorado absolutely dominated, and Jordan Bennington just put on an absolute show. And ultimately, the Avs found a way to win it with 0.01 seconds left on the clock, something I've never really seen before with that Nazem Kadri, uh, you know, buzzer beater in arena. That, that Those were sort of the three games that kind of stand out to me as having the best atmosphere and having the most sort of, you know, entertainment value from a spectator point of view. Absolutely. Drancer, uh, I got to ask, since you're one of the guys who's been able to follow the Canucks history for a long time, uh, you got to see them win last night in overtime. Uh, you were one of the guys in the building. Uh, I just want to know, like, what was that like? He's, I think he heard you on the radio last night saying that might have been the loudest he've heard it in the arena. Yeah, certainly in that empty arena, the way that the Canucks bench exploded, uh, you can see it too on the video, right? Like, yeah. you see 
or that photo of Travis Green and, and the Canucks fans just losing it, going nuts, right? Like that that was that was definitely the loudest celebration that I've heard in building. And I think partly that's because, you know, for almost every other series except for Arizona and Nashville, which I wasn't there live for yesterday, um, you know, the wins have come from sort of like slowly strangling your opponent through the third period. Right? <laughs> like they haven't been dramatic winners scored by probably the best like player on the team. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the way that that sounded in the building was awesome. And, and it was really the first time that the building sounded, you know, you, you hear a lot of like hard, hard, you hear a lot of wheel, wheel. You don't hear, you sometimes hear teams all going like, yeah, when they score. Right. But you, I haven't heard like a period of, um, you know, or I haven't heard a moment in which you've got 20 plus guys all cheering for a sustained period together. Um, and, you know, it's just like eerie, right? Because you're going through these games and they don't sound like games. Like they don't sound like what you're used to a live hockey game sound like. And then to have that moment of almost normalcy brought back uh, sort of sort of in it like in the stark relief that it provided was almost more eerie, right? <laughs> than, than having the than having the silence, which by this point I'm now kind of adjusted to. Right, no doubt. And I mean, yeah, it, it's a strange feeling because I think we're getting that little bit of crowd noise pumped into it on the broadcast. We have play-by-play guys going. So it's not like it's it's feeling real different, but I just feel like it's got to be a weird feeling like you mentioned in the rink there. Definitely a weird feeling. Um, you know, it, it, it's super weird. And... You know, it's super weird to be in a mask. It's super weird to be distanced from my colleagues the way we are. It's definitely crazy to be doing those post-game Zooms, which I don't know if you guys are on. But it's like a hostile environment, right? Like, it's I'm just so not used to the professional challenge of sort of going and having one question. And, you know, the, the level of contact you have is awkward, right? Like, it's just awkward mm-hmm. between between the journalist and player, like I'm used to going into a room, you know, hitting up the guys that I know will tell me something funny or something interesting, right? Or, or at least we'll have a good conversation. And for that to be, you know, one of the parts of the day that I come out of being like, yes, nailed it, right? And all of a sudden, the part of the day that I think is my edge professionally, right, becomes a part of my day that I find the most challenging, the toughest, the, the most soul-crushing, the most hostile, like honestly hostile. I find it a hostile environment with NHLPR hosting the event. One question, one question to one person. You know, <laughs> it's just like, fuck off. Like, yeah. I, I know all these people personally too, so I just grind them afterwards by text <laughs> message. Um, but, you know, it's a hostile environment and it's, it's frustrating as hell. Um you know, so that's sort of the that's sort of the thing that I that I've found the toughest to adjust to. Well, it's it's been kind of funny watching the Travis Green post game interviews. Like, I, you can tell he's in a good mood when he says <laughs> hi to all the reporters. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> one, and also all the all the other reporters that congratulated him out the gate. Right, everyone's like, congratulations, Travis. Congratulations, Travis. So he's like, thanks, Ben. Thanks, Batch. Appreciate that, Ed. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, oh man. Which is why, which is why, personally, I went at the end. Um, you know, just because, just because I was hoping to get a good answer from him first. Uh, but yeah, no, look, the, this team's been a long time, and they've done a lot of losing. And at the end of the day, you don't root for people really. You don't root for teams. Um, sometimes you root for friends. You know, like there's friends in the game that you end up rooting for over time. Um, but when you work with a guy every day. And, you know, they, they sort of have that type of reaction on the bench and, um, you know, achieve something that, <laughs> that the team's really wanted for four years and been so hopelessly far away from. Um, you know, you, you do have a moment where you're like, hey, congratulations, man. Like, well done, you know. So uh, so that was an interesting availability yesterday. I thought Travis typically um, was, was sort of pretty good, especially earlier on. But I do think you got to congratulate the guy after. The and that's my personal view. Uh, just because otherwise you bias your answer, the answer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to move on to you know some of the players on the ice as well. Quinn Hughes, let's start with him. He's on the ice for all five goals of the Canucks score last night. Played 27 and a half minutes. Uh, a couple words on Quinn yeah. Hughes from you there, Trent. Oh, absolute, absolute star, right? Like that was, he took over that game, right? He took Canucks down 3-1. He took over that game, right? He's, he's a 
Brandon Sutter goal, um, you know, it's, it's the Brandon Sutter goal, I guess, right? But the puck just bounces up because Quinn Hughes makes an outrageous turn at the um, circle, walks into the middle of the ice. No one else on the ice can make that play. Um, you know, Brandon Sutter cleans up, the, cleans up the loose change, as it were. Cleans up the garbage there. That's a garbage goal. And, uh, but it's a beautiful setup by Quinn Hughes. And then the Quinn Hughes shot on the power play um, to tie it up. I mean, the Canucks tied it up basically because Quinn Hughes took over the game. And, and when Quinn Hughes is on, when Quinn Hughes plays like that, the thing that happens is that the Canucks get two of for every one that the opposition generate, right? So it's like two shots, two scoring chances, two shot attempts. Canucks are going to get two for every one that the opponent gets. And when you're able to get that, that, you know, from your top defenseman, and when you're able to play him 28 minutes, right, as the Canucks did in game four, um, you know, that hides an awful lot of other flaws, right? Like, you don't have enough depth, it doesn't matter. For 28 minutes of the game, you're going to get two for every one the opposition gets. Your goaltender struggling, doesn't matter. They're, the opposition goaltender has to make two saves for every one year guy. Right, and that sort of that was like a proof of concept game. Like not a lot else was firing for the Canucks uh, for me. Like their top line was, and their and Quinn Hughes was. Uh, Jacob Markstrom had make, one of his worst games of the year. Right, like probably including the regular season. Yeah. Um, you know, the I don't know that I don't know that the third or fourth line had a particularly good game. They had only Levy in the lineup. They basically played only two pairs. Uh, and, I, and I don't think Tyler Myers had a particularly good game, right? I don't think Alex Nester had a particularly good series defensively. Like, this was not October Alex Edler. Uh, so when I sort of think about that, you know, I think that proof of concept is essentially what Quinn Hughes managed to do in game four, uh, which was just take over a game and, and give the Canucks a win, uh, even when a variety of other factors weren't going for them. Now, Drance, before we let you go, we want to ask you about the tall guy, Tyler Myers. Uh, you know, in the box yeah. a lot, I put out a Twitter poll asking if he'd take more than 10 penalties, and he didn't. I think he finished the series with nine, which is still crazy to think about. But what did you think of Tyler yeah. Myers' series as a whole, and what do you think he has to clean up going into the next series? Yeah, look, he's out of the box, right? Like, the won this series and killed off an awful lot of penalties, but you're playing with fire when you've got you know, a key defenseman, especially uh, one, you know, Tyler Myers still played, I think, the second most minutes for the Canucks in that series, despite the amount of time he spent in the penalty box. Certainly played the second most minutes if I'm five. And, you know, they, you can't have a guy taking two penalties, two minor penalties a game. Like, there were some soft calls in that series. Certainly there were more penalties than I think anyone expected. Um, I, I liked some of the physical play from Tyler Myers, but he underlying numbers. The underlying numbers would suggest that other than Troy Stetcher and Quinn Hughes, he was the third best Canucks defender in that series. But, you know, also, you have to check those numbers with or without Quinn Hughes, right? Like, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, <laughs> Quinn Hughes and it's everybody else, right? Yeah. And so, in a world where it's Quinn Hughes and it's everybody else, uh, and that's the world that the Canucks live in, right? Tyler Myers, uh, can still be useful. He can still be helpful. He can be the guy who plays with Hughes when the Canucks are down offensively. Uh, he can move the puck pretty effectively. I, I thought his most puck moving, uh, effective puck moving game actually was last night. Like, I thought he used his feet well. Um, I, I thought his most physical game was game three. Like, I let both of those games for him aside from the penalties. The yeah. Canucks just can't afford to spend that much time in the box. And, you know, ticky tack calls or not. Like, that's incumbent on the players to adjust, especially the veteran guys who've been there, who've been deep in the postseason. Um, guys like Tyler Myers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And he's going to have to clean <laughs> oh, up as we move forward. Remember the volume. Let's remember how outrageous volume is. Like, he has twice the number of minor penalties. Yeah. You know, that anyone else in the league does in the return to play tournament. Like, that's not, that's too much, guys. Too much. Yeah, I think he had nine penalties on his first hundred shifts uh, in this series, which is insane. <laughs> oh, uh, but Drancer, yeah, I think wow. we're gonna we're gonna let you go on this one. We know you got to get to the van cast. Uh, but final thing I wanted <laughs> to ask you was: Was there any noise complaints coming out of the hotel last night? Oh boy, I have no idea. I'll, <laughs> I'll have to check. Uh, that's a good. That's a good thing to check on. I'll uh, I'll message some like eyes, ears in the bubble, uh, see sort of what it looked like. Uh, but yeah, I mean, come on. 
Of course there was, right? <laughs> like, of course, of course there was. And, and fair enough, you know, you get here, it's weird, right? You're preparing for games. Uh, then you're into a series where you play four and six, right? Like that series came fast and furious for the Canucks. And I think was an edge for them ultimately, even though I think the fatigue impacted Jacob Markstrom's performance in game four. Um, but, you know, to have now a full weekend off, right? Like you win in four, you know, you're not going to play again until Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure after back-to-backs and having just won the series today is a team day off. Yeah. I haven't confirmed that, but I know it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm sure... I'm sure some boys had some pops, and and good for them. They uh, they earned it. First Canucks series win in five years is a memorable one, even though, even if it happened in a weird place in a weird circumstance in a five game series. Uh, you know, I think that'll. I think a lot of Canucks fans enjoyed it. I think a lot of Canucks fans felt, in retrospect, almost like they needed it. And I think a lot of Canucks fans will remember it fondly for years to come. Absolutely. So enjoy. You betcha, Drancer. I, well, I hope that I hope everyone tore up the Sutton Place Hotel. <laughs> got that right, Trance. All right, well, guess what? We've got a new drop on our soundboard from calling you before the show started, so we'll finish up the conversation on this one, Trance. Hello, thank you for calling right. Thomas Trance. <laughs> All right, have a good one, Trance. <laughs> okay. Sorry for missing your call, boys. All the best. Bye. See ya. And a huge thank you to... Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Trance. we got to stop pressing that button. That's We're... my new favorite drop now. I, I think it might be mine as well. It's It's wonderful. Anyways... You know that was that was interesting what Drance said. I, I I think he's he's bang on about all of that stuff. And in 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 the first round of the playoffs, you really need Tyler Myers to clean it up. And I mean, you know, I don't want to rag on him because I feel like he's the easy guy to rag on because it's like, oh, he took so many penalties. But I'm not even gonna talk about the penalties. Like that aside, like his defensive play wasn't very good. His decisions with the puck weren't very good. Like I was not when I was watching Tyler Myers. I, you, you kind of sit on the edge of your seat. It's the opposite of what you do when Quinn Hughes has the puck. And I know you can't expect everybody to be Quinn Hughes, but I don't know. It was just, like, Drant said Edler didn't have his best series. I thought Edler played fine. I thought he played better than Myers. Um, I, I thought Edler had a pretty good series himself. Uh, again, like, decisions with the puck, defensive positioning, like, I thought he was pretty good. Nobody was as good as Quinn Hughes. He absolutely took over that game. But again, with Myers, I really think, like, People are just looking at the penalties and saying, this is this is a problem, like he's taking so many penalties, and I'm not saying it's not a problem, but I think you have to look further than that, right? Like, you have to look at what he's doing at 5-on-5, five five, what he's doing when he's given the opportunities. Like, yeah, he's logging a ton of minutes, you know, but again, like, the defensive play for Myers, it just... It it hasn't really been there, it seems like. Yeah, I didn't I didn't hate Tyler Myers' series. I hated the penalties. I thought he was pretty good in the offensive zone, at, you know, moving the puck. And there was a lot of times Travis Green did it in game three and four where he started putting Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers out in the offensive yes. zone, specifically when the lotto line was taking an opening faceoff in the in the offensive zone. Like, he would go with Myers and Hughes. Which is a good pairing. And I thought that Myers had some pretty good shots from the point. Like, he had a lot of... A lot of shots on net and did some dangerous ones too. Like he didn't Absolutely. get him, didn't get a bar down shot like Quinn Hughes did. But I mean, Tyler Myers was forcing Staylock to make yep. love saves, and you know he wasn't putting it right into the chest of Staylock, even though he wasn't putting it top corner either. I thought that Myers had a pretty good series offensively. I thought, even though he didn't put up points, sure, like, totally. But I get what you're saying. How his decision making with the puck in his own end is what really freaks me yeah, out. Yeah, but like, like it's it's been a full season of Tyler Myers. You've seen enough of that, you know. Like it's it's yeah, not going to change enough, real quickly. I think that when he plays with Quinn Hughes, it's good because Quinn Hughes can be the maestro to move the puck out of the defensive zone. But I expect more th- more from him. I, I thought he played better in I the regular season. I thought he moved the puck up nice. I thought he skated the puck up ice. Good. He did, yeah. He didn't pass the puck. You're right. And he wasn't great at receiving. He was not passing the he's, puck well. He's never been great at receiving passes either. Yeah. Like there's yep. a lot of passes that get caught up in his probably size 28 feet. And, like, yep. you know, he can't. He's not great at receiving passes or making passes out of the or out of the zone or playing defensively either. Like he he's good at carrying the puck. He's good at having the puck in the offensive zone, mm-hmm. and he's good at taking penalties. Apparently, that might be his best skill. Like I said with Drance, nine percent of Tyler Myers' shifts he took a penalty on. That is <laughs> okay. insane to me. Okay, okay. Over under, how many how many penalties do you think that Myers ends up with in the next series? Canucks convo oh, poll man. question brought to you by the sponsor that we don't have yet. I'll probably go with seven because the Canucks are going to sweep next year. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think the Canucks are going to sweep. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I would probably set the over-under. Like, I'm going to guess you want to say maybe this series goes six games. Um, yeah, I think he could easily take nine penalties. He could take a penalty and a half a game. Hmm. Maybe you got to do it by game, right? 
Like, I think well, you don't really know how many games they're going to play. He took nine in four games, and I put out the poll question after game three. Well, he took eight in three games too. That's, yes, like absolutely. that's what he did. The first game oh. he only had one penalty. We need more of that, Myers. You Except know what? Like in game one, they played horribly. There was times <laughs> where Myers like was bad for that, but like at the same time, soft calls sometimes. Some of them were pretty soft, yeah. and sometimes you like to see Tyler Myers do that a little bit. Fair you know? enough. If they have another big body, like if they have like the times that Tyler Myers is cross-checking Jordan Greenway in the back, those aren't that bad because Greenway's a big fella. He can take that hit, and the times that he was taking penalties were him just like pushing around a guy who's about six foot or under six foot, and it was so obvious because Tyler Myers is a monster. And man, the broadcast, the broadcast is obsessed with the size of Tyler Myers. You hear Louis DeBrusque, every single time Tyler Myers does a play, they have to bring up big how Tyler big Myers. Tyler Myers is. <laughs> every single time. Oh, Louis DeBrusque is obsessed with guys over six foot seven. It's it's insane. Oh, but um, yeah, like the obviously the whole broadcast loved it. I, some of the stuff, man, I don't know. Some of the stuff on CBC's broadcast was brutal. Like the, the one time that they mentioned that maybe Brandon Sutter has been teaching Quinn Hughes huh. on a four check. What the hell are they talking about, man? Like, or at least don't Patterson, get me wrong. Brandon Sutter taught Elias Pedersen how to forecheck. Yeah. Oh. What the hell was that all about? Like, obviously, you know, Brandon Sutter had a good series. He had a really good oh, game two, yeah. three, and four. I thought totally. he was excellent. I thought He's still overpaid, and they're still going to have to buy out his contract. Yeah, hundred percent. But I mean, like, <laughs> feel good story. The though. Only, the only problem with Brandon Sutter is the loss of Adam Goddard on the second power play unit. Yeah. I wonder if there's a chance to slide Adam Goddard into this lineup and play wing. Do you change the lineup though? Like. Okay. Well, that, the only one that you, that makes sense is, and it doesn't really make sense right now, but it's Antoine Roussel. And I thought Roussel was Roussel really good. Roussel had too good of a series he, to pull His forecheck and his yep. full-out skating was excellent. Yeah, you can't the pull series. him out. You can't pull him out. You can't. I mean, like, Jake. The guy's got one eye. You going to pull him out after he plays through that? No, Come I mean, on. like, Jake would be the only other option. He didn't Who, play a lot of 5-on-5, five yeah, five, and, and I think you need to keep him in. And McEwen only played like five minutes a game. Yeah, so McEwen, so. I thought McEwen was really good. Yeah, too. I thought McEwen was good. Listen, on his the big fella knows how to go to the net. Drawing penalties. Yep. 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 He Drawing was penalties good. going net. You know who else was good? Yeah, I know. We're about to talk we're about We're about him. to talk about him, baby. I know. Louis Little Things Erickson. He was freaking good. Oh, my God. He was freaking good. Okay, again, overpaid. You still don't want his contract. Like, this is not by any means. When we say Brandon Sutter and Louis Erickson played well, we're not taking victory laps here and say all oh, the contracts were worth no. it. Not at all. But you are so happy to get that from Louis Erickson. Wow. The little things were on last night. The board work. He's looking like Josh Levo out there. It's the second time I've made that comparison this week. He's looking. I'm not as mad this time. Last time I was pissed when you said that. And and what what'd you have to do? What'd you have to do? You had to eat, eat crow. crow yeah, you had to eat crow because you watched and you saw Louis Erickson. He got breakaways. The oh. only thing is like, and you know what? He almost seemed like emotionally invested last night. Oh yeah, you know, like there was yeah. times where he was getting like you know cross checked in the back because yep. he was in tight on the net and you know in Staylock's grill and like he was getting cross checked and there was times in the game like even during a shift. Where, you know, it wasn't like a dirty play or like a penalty, but it yep. was borderline, you know, you push a little extra in a, in a penalty, uh, yep. playoff game. And he seemed to react like he didn't like that. And I was like, wow, you're actually seeing, you know, some in, some investment here. Runs the goalie from Gotta Louis love Erickson. It. Yeah, love he hammers it. the goalie, gets a breakaway in the last game. Yeah. Led the team in shots with four shots. Hell yeah. Even though there's three players with four shots. But still, he led the team, tied for the lead in shots on the Canucks. What? No, he was the only one with four. No, Horvat had four. No. And Quinn Hughes had four, I think. Okay, we're going to check it during the break. I can check it. I know, I, I know two other players. Louis Erickson's first pass last night out of the zone, like, that was what impressed me the most. Like, that that Horvat goal, or which which goal was it? There was one goal that was really set up by Louis just getting the puck out under pressure. Like, there was two guys on him, and he gets the puck by both of them up the ice. and Still didn't have a point. <laughs> he did not have a point, but that's okay. You know what? It's the little things with Louis. That's, I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's all about the little things with Louis, and, you know, as much as we joke around about that and as thankful we are that botch gave him that nickname because it's actually hilarious. Like it was on full display last night when Travis says, you know, with Louie, it's the little things like the little things were all on display last night from little things. Louie, like it was fantastic. I was, I was like, I was shocked and I, I don't know. I was shocked in the first game and I think people were like, Oh, pump the brakes. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like this guy's playing so well in your top six what are you complaining about? Like, point point out what you could possibly complain about in Louis Erickson's game, except for offensive scoring chances going to die as soon you know as they get to You know what's stick. crazy, though? Louis Erickson was third on the team in individual goal expected goals. Wow. You know who's first on the team? <laughs> it's got to be Hughes. Brandon Sutter. 
Oh Hughes, my God! Hughes wasn't there. He was number five. Oh my uh, Bo gosh. Horvat's number two. Brandon Sutter was number one, and Louis Erickson is third on individual expected goals, which wow. is crazy to think. I love. But it. he had the breakaway. You're right. He kept the cycle going. Like I, he even skated well yeah. at times. Like he wasn't. I know. There was some times where you look at him and he's like, okay, like it's it's Louis just being Louis. Like he's not going to be giving full speed on a lot of shifts. But then you see him go out there and he gets bumped a little bit, like illegally, and he's like, hey, you can't bump me like oh, that. Yeah. And he gets mad and he starts and then to he skate. Runs and you're the like, goaltender. You're like, what the hell's going on here? It's Louis Erickson. He's like, he's a six million dollar man. Like hell he's, yeah, he's playing in your top six. And, Don't and mess yeah, with, with them. With the Canucks coming back until it sounds like Tuesday is going to be the first game. Like. You know, like the way that it looks right now, I think that the guy who comes out of the lineup is is it it's Zach McEwen, right? Like it's, it's be. Zach McEwen for Tyler Toffoli. It has to and be. then Jake goes back down to the fourth line. Yeah. Because now that Brandon Sutter's playing center, it like oh man, I, and it sucks because like I hated that for so long. I hated having yep. Sutter and Beagle, but yep. now it's working, right? Yep. But it's also gonna be very strange to see the other team they match up against. And it might be a better move to get Sutter back with Beagle. We're going to talk about that on the other side of the break for sure, but I think before we do that, like I want to double down on my take that when Toffoli gets healthy, and we're assuming he's going to be healthy for game one. I didn't see him in that celebration video. I saw Gaudet in that video, but I didn't see Toffoli. The latest I heard and saw was, or that I heard from the bubble was he's in a different walking boot now, which is a better walking boot. Oh, he's in a better walking boot. That's good to hear. Yeah. Okay, but I'm going to double down on it. sentence ever, but yeah. When he gets healthy, he's got to play on that third line in Jake's spot, and... You know who's got to stay in the top six? It's Louis Erickson, man. It's all about the little things. We're going to cut to break. Here's a couple messages from our sponsor. Keep it locked and loaded. You are listening to the Canucks Conversation. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50 before taxes. And Canucks Conversation podcast listeners can save $5 off their order with promo code CanucksConvo. That's all one word, promo code CanucksConvo. You can shop online or at their retail store located in Surrey. Once again, that was Zephyr Epic. You can follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. All right, guys, before we go any further into the episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to the presenting sponsor of the Canucks Conversation. You know what it is, Parallel 49 Beer. If you want to go out and try their newest beer, it's called the Tropicool. It is a smoothie sour that looks absolutely delicious, the perfect beer for the summertime. Uh, if you guys want to check out Parallel 49 Beer, you can get more information on their social media feeds. That's at Parallel 49 Beer. That's at Parallel 49 Beer. And, or you can head right down to their location in East Van at 1953. Triumph Street. So go out there and try some of the delicious summer beers that's going to be coming up soon here for Parallel. We kick Manscaped right in the balls off of the show. Just so people know. No more Manscaped ads. That was an executive decision that I made. That you made, yes. We already got our trimmers. We're good to go. <laughs> yeah, we did. Then you know, decent product though. Promo code Canucks Convo if you want. Yeah, it, it still so works. We're just not <laughs> running ads on it anymore. No, exactly. Well, that's the problem. It's like so many podcasts are running the damn Manscaped ads now that you know, it's it's ridiculous. It's like, oh, they're like, oh, you got to get your promo code. You got to get all these amount of people. These pro everyone's using. It. As soon as the VanCast got it, I mean, JPAT does an amazing ad for Manscaped. It's pretty hard to oh, beat man. those. He's real good at his little transitions. We should get JPAT to do a Manscaped ad for us and just yeah, keep I'm it on sure the show. he, I'm sure he'd love that. Can we talk about something aside from Hog for a quick minute before we dive into this? Because we both had it this morning, uh, McDonald's coffee. Oh, you had a McDonald's coffee too. So this is what this is the my thing about McDonald's. Everyone says that McDonald's coffee is so much better than Tim Hortons coffee. Right. This is what the, you know, I, I don't mind. I like Tim Hortons. I think Tim Hortons is fine. I think the coffee's fine. It's nothing special. Like I like coffee at my house better because I just like making my own coffee in the French press. Like I've gotten better at it. Uh, I, I know what I'm doing. I grind the beans up. I do a pretty good job with the French press now. Hmm. But everyone dumps on Tim Hortons coffee. And I don't think it's that bad at all. I don't think it's that bad either, but I think McDonald's is significantly better. That's the thing that I don't get. The only thing that I get, the similarities between Tim Hortons and McDonald's coffee, is they both feel like they leave half the coffee on your teeth. Your teeth feel disgusting after drinking both these coffees. You need to brush your teeth after them. But the thing is, like people just dump on Tim Hortons so much. I say McDonald's is so much better. It tastes the exact same to me. I don't mm, taste any no. difference between McCafe and Tim Hortons. And I know I'm in the minority here, but Tim Hortons coffee, there's nothing wrong with it. It gets the job done. It gets your coffee in you. The originators of the double-double, too. You got to have some respect. You're so, wearing a lumberjack top. You should be drinking Tim Hortons for sure. So that's going to be a Patreon episode for sure is a blind taste test of the coffees. 
Yeah, well, we better than you playing the clarinet for seven minutes. That was Actually, fantastic. We got a subscriber, yeah, got a, a hero tier. And if you want to hear Dave play clarinet, patreon.com slash Canucks combo. It was actually called the <clears throat> Dave Quadrelli Clarinet Symphony Orchestra Experience. And I was the only that was the wrong one. one, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was the wrong one. <laughs> I was the only one that was uh, that was in that symphony orchestra. So it's pretty crazy. I play all the classics, you know. I played the Star Wars theme, kind of. Hot Cross Buns, nailed it. Uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb, nailed it. Uh, what else did I play on that? Alouette. I didn't make it through the whole thing, so I have Aww. no idea. That hurts. Anyways, Alouette. I got my clip. I tweeted out the Star Wars clip, and I didn't hear anything else. See, I was I was looking up our theme song. I was trying to see if they had like chords for the guitar because like now you I know can talk how to, to Wise Youngblood. They'll hook us up. I might have to get the sheet music because I think I can read it well enough. Like I can read clarinet music and like I can read the notes and I know Hear where this. to play. Can you see? Yes, that one. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm gonna play. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna play that on clarinet one day. And wow. holiday. I was trying to play holiday. What if we like, get the Wise Youngblood guys because they listen to the show? They're gonna be hearing this. You oh, can fantastic. you can jump on stage with them one day and play a little clarinet. I'm so. You can jump in and play clarinet <laughs> with Wise Youngblood for. Uh, I don't think they for want robot. that. They're they're big single. You people know? people would leave the show. A little clarinet solo, you know. I think people that enjoy my clarinet playing is a very niche market, and I think it's like five of our Patreon subscribers. Well, and a new one. Somebody signed up because of I'm that. including him in that five. All right, <laughs> let's get back to the Canucks. <laughs> uh, Tyler Toffoli. Um, that's the big question. I mean, he was supposed to be the big addition. I thought he was going to be the thing that put the Canucks way over the top in this series. Really wasn't at all. Had a really bad game one. You got to wonder if that was because of the foot. Uh, he's obviously in a walking boot. Um, it's got to be. You don't just get in a walking boot after playing like that. Yeah, you don't. Like, there wasn't anything that I saw. Nothing's been talked about at all. And Canucks Twitter would have found something. You know, it's a good good Canucks Twitter. By the way, okay, before we keep going, Canucks Reddit had a great night last night. I don't know if you saw Canucks Reddit last night. Reddit. Oh, man. So people that are on Canucks Reddit, i got to give a shout out to y'all. It was hilarious, some of the stuff. The best one I saw was Chris Tanev's face on the Jesus thing, and it said Christ Anev. I saw that. That one was really good. <laughs> that was so, fantastic. So there was some really good stuff last night. I just want to give a quick shout out to Reddit. But yeah, back to Toffoli. Um, if he makes an impact on that third line, how much better does that make the Canucks top nine? Because <sighs> Significant. He and seems like a guy that would actually fit in as a scorer with Brandon Sutter. And that's what I was just about to say, right? If you're if you're still getting Brandon Sutter as he's playing like right now, you take that any day of the week. And I mean, you know, it sucks that he's paid as much as he is. And yeah, he's probably still going to get bought out. He's really their only contract that makes sense to buy out. They've got to re-sign Gaudet. They're going to get him for pretty cheap. It helps that he isn't playing in playoff games to, you know, bring that price tag down a bit. You know, I, I think that you're still not going to see Brandon Sutter on the Canucks next year, but if you can have one last... They're not buying out Brandon Sutter. Why do you th- why do you say that? Because the then the money that's... The dead money is going to be hurting on the Hughes and, and Pedersen contracts in the first year. Who do you think they're going to... They're going to... They have to free up cap space and... But if they buy out, the problem is it's a two-year problem, and that's when you're cutting into the first year of the Hughes and Pedersen. You deal. think they're just going to keep keep Sutter on the books? Well, that's the thing. You You lose it. You're only saving half of his contract this year. So you're only saving what is that 1.6 million for next if you year. You do it, but then you're still paying the full amount in the two years. Yeah, that's fair. So you're you're either you're saving a 1.6 million, but then you're also hurting the Pedersen Hughes deal the first year that that contract's going to kick in. So there's no point of doing any of these buyouts right now. The so best, you don't think they're going to do it to try and free up cap space? No, the one that year. made sense was the Spooner one because that contract yeah, yeah. will be up. That'll be off the books by the time Pedersen and Hughes hit. So, yeah, unfortunately, the Luongo cap thing is going to hurt them a lot, and just having that much dead money already yes. makes it worse to even have more. So I don't think, you know, maybe they can trade Sutter after this series. Who hey, knows? there's an you idea. Know, playing good, there's Sutter. There's an idea. Now look at this guy. You can play third-line center for you. Yeah, and he's performing in the playoffs. I still think Brandon Sutter's not going to be a Canuck next so year. So what would the third line feel to you if, if we're looking at Antoine Roussel, Brandon Sutter, and Tyler Toffoli? How does that feel as a third line in a playoff feels game? fast with Roussel, and it feels like they have some offensive firepower with Sutter. Can't believe I just said that sentence. And Toffoli. Like, I almost think that you look at that, and the bottom six, like, hate on it as much as you want when you have... Jay Beagle and Brandon Sutter there, like regular season, all season long, even in the playoffs, like you can hate on that if you want. But when you look at how it actually shapes out, left wingers of Antoine Roussel and Tyler Mott, fast guys are going to get on the forecheck. They're going to, you know, stir it up. They're going to be very strong with their sticks. They're going to lay hits. Centers is Beagle and Sutter, the same damn dude. 
But uh, they're both going to be your bottom six centers. And then you look at the what could be on the right wing. It could be Tyler Toffoli and Jake Rutanen, guys that can score goals yep. for you. So your bottom six lines feel okay. If you look at it like position by position, they're actually kind of a similar line in the bottom six. Yeah. And I don't hate it as much as I thought I would hate it. I, you know, I really miss Adam Gaudet. I think he, he's a great addition to that second power play unit. Second power play unit did not score one goal without Adam Gaudet on it this year. They still haven't, I guess, in the playoffs either. No, yeah, so, you're right. You know, without Adam Gaudet, that second unit loses a lot. We saw Jay Fertanen playing on the left side and Adam Gaudet spot. He doesn't play that spot well. He plays the right side well. When he's moving downhill and can get a wrist shot off, that's good. He ain't a one-timer guy, even though he can drill a couple. He had a couple of really good one-timing yep, shots this year. But that's Adam Gaudet's spot. You know, Adam Gaudet sets up goals because people have to come to that side. And if they don't come to that side, he's going to make you pay with a shot. That's why Adam Gaudet had so many second assists this year because he would move it. Like the, the side, like the def, the defenders would come to his side, then he would hit it up to Myers, Myers over to Vertan, and they'd score from there. That's why there's so many second assists. Or he'd move up to Myers, and then the guys would be shaded to Godet's side. Myers would take a shot, and they'd tip it in. So many second assists for Adam Godet this year because the penalty killers have to draw into him. So he's a huge loss on this team when they don't have him on the power play. So it's, it's too bad, but you know what? He didn't play good in game one. And if he's hurt, like we might see, but he did take the pregame skate. But if they're going to go with a guy like Zach McEwen over Gaudet, that's just kind of the way Travis Green's probably going to roll because you can't really mess with what they did in the lineup. They played a really good last three games here. Before I start talking about Ollie Olevi, I do want to talk a little bit about Tyler Mott, who I think from the bottom six, other than Brandon Sutter and Antoine Roussel, I think Mott had one of the best series that we've seen. You know, We've, this is probably the best hockey we've seen Tyler Mott play. You know, his feet are moving. He's playing to all of his strengths, and that's exactly what you want to see from him. You know, on the penalty kill last night, just fantastic. Like, keeping the puck far in their zone, skating around with it. You know, he's got the power play chasing him, and he's able to swing it back all the way. Like, that's huge for a penalty killer to be able to do. Like, keep the puck in the offensive zone while you're on the penalty kill and then get it all the way back to your end. Like that's huge. And I mean, you know, I got to eat crow on this one because I said at the start of this series, I was like, you know, Tyler Mott's got to be the guy that comes out. You know, if you want to get Jake in this, like it's got to be Mott, but little did I know that Brandon Sutter would center a third line, which is just still crazy. But you know, there's a method to Travis Green's madness. And I think we saw that on full display. I thought that, Tyler Mott was an excellent penalty killer. Yep. He was excellent at five. He was, wasn't excellent. He was good at five on five, but he was an excellent penalty killer. That penalty killing unit of Beagle and Mott was so damn good. You know, those are the perfect fourth line players. Like, I I know that Beagle gets a lot of hate. His contract, he's still paid too much, but he is a good fourth line center. He's a good penalty killer. He fits what Travis Green's lineup needs to have as a fourth-line center. Tyler Mott's the exact same way. He's the perfect Travis Green fourth-line left winger. You know. I saw people tweeting last night. They're like, oh, Beagle's going to talk to them in the uh, in the intermission and oh. get everybody going. I saw a bunch of people tweeting that. I don't know why people no, were saying that. Chris Tanev's the heart of this Canucks team. Yes, that's true. Ask Quinn Hughes. He's the dad of the team. He's that, the dad of this team. That was really funny. I was like trying to figure out the joke. I couldn't figure it out. I just saw everybody being like, don't worry, guys. Beagle's going to get them going in the locker room. I'm like, what are these people talking about? I think they do like Beagle. Beagle's are, and we saw this at training camp. He's really good in practice. Like, he get he makes you work in practice. Which totally. Is good. And he's a super vocal, super, like, nice guy. Like, also, he's, we yeah. talked about it last week or like on the last episode, we really like what Beagle's doing after the whistle too. Oh, totally. Big bodies getting your glove in your face. You just got to do stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And Roussel even like, dude, Roussel just four wild guys around the net. And he's like right in the middle of them. He's the closest guy to the goaltender. All right, like, I just got an idea for I the, for the bottom six. And I know a lot of people are going to hate it. Cause it's got Jake for off. Okay. Well, I'm going to say it. What if the fourth, li- the fourth line was Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, and Tyler Mott. And then the third line was Adam Gaudet, Brandon Sutter, and Tyler Toffoli. Thanks. I hate it. No, I'm just kidding. I like it. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a good idea. Um, you know, yeah. Do you move you lose Jake? But yeah, you know what? But you move Gaudet to the wing, and Gaudet, like you said, has that power play prowess, and he'll be in the same spot as Jake, right? Yeah. Um, listen, Jake. Jake's good on the power play when Adam Gaudet's on the ice, but Jake's not good on the power play when Adam Gaudet's not there. Wow, we get. I just realized we're competing with the Vancast for airtime today. People are going to be listening to a new Vancast. I ain't worried about it. 
All right, I'm a little worried about it. Our, ours is like featuring one of their hosts. Yeah, like totally. We should get JPAD up right now. Yeah. I should text them and be like, "Hey, after your recording, want to come on our oh show?" Oh my gosh, we should sabotage the Vancast recording. We'll just keep calling them. Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Grant. That's all we get. <laughs> I like that drop. It's my favorite oh drop. Oh my now. gosh, it is a good drop. It's a very good drop. But okay, I want to ask you because you know I think like oh wait no I said I want to talk about Ollie Levy I do want to talk okay. about Ollie Levy. Levy okay so he made his NHL debut he played very sheltered minutes but he looked fine in those minutes you know he he surprised us with the physicality I think I have a really good quote yeah, from Travis six minutes and 16 seconds um at five on five he only got five ten so he played a little bit of penalty kill time I was thinking Travis Green was going to go with Troy Stetcher over over Yo Levy even though Troy or Travis Green, so many T names. Uh, but so even though Travis Green likes going left, right, he went with Troy Stetcher on the penalty kill when he was, you know, when all the defensemen were yep. out there. Because you know, when Tyler Myers is out, that means Ole Leo Levy got some penalty kill time, which is where he plays his best. Yep, Leo Levy on the penalty kill was the best. They didn't get a shot. You know, the Wild didn't have a shot on net in the six minutes and sixteen seconds that Leo Levy was on the ice. That's th- pretty good. Absolutely, I think I'm slowly becoming a Yolevi truther because I have yet to see him make a bad play with the puck, and I've yet to see him make a bad play bad play defensively at training camp. In a well, I saw it in the scrimmage, but towards the end of the scrimmages, after that second scrimmage when he turned the corner, I've yet to see Yolevi make a bad play. Mm-hmm. And yes, he's been playing sheltered minutes in the exhibition against the Jets. Played sheltered minutes last night in his NHL debut. Uh, statistically, does that count as his NHL debut? Like, was it's his- a playoff debut? Okay. Okay. Anyways, he said these stats are going to count as playoff. Games. Yes. This is this is what Travis Green had to say about Ollie Olevi post game. He said solid. He didn't seem too nervous. The coaches were probably more nervous than him. I haven't seen him a lot. He played heavier than we thought he would. He moved the puck quick. Has a good release, and I'm happy for him. That's pretty high praise from Travis Green. And he, you know, Travis even said like he played. Yeah, I don't know how many minutes he played. He didn't play much. Like. The Canucks basically ran two pairings last night, and I think Drantz mentioned that on his when he came on the show today. The Canucks were pretty steady with running just Alex Edler, Tyler Myers, Quinn Hughes, Chris Tanev. And yeah. Quinn Hughes, it, it, it felt like every time I looked up or I was just watching the game, it felt like every time you looked at who had the puck at the blue line, it was always Quinn Hughes. Like, Quinn Hughes was all over the place last night. And I mean, there's a lot of defining moments in a player's career and especially in a rookie season, for Quinn Hughes, there's been a lot of good moments. But I think last night was probably the best individual effort we've ever seen from Quinn Hughes. And I think he's just scratching the surface. He got better as the series went on, and he got better as the game went on. Like he, There was times where Quinn Hughes just knew that he had to get the puck in deep, and he would just do it himself. You know, He went right in. He was controlling the puck behind the Winnipeg net. He was, he was looking strong, man. And, and yeah, like you mentioned, it was one of his best games. Troy Stetcher was under 10 minutes of ice time and that's including you know that's including penalty kill that he was doing some of last night and I think that Quinn Hughes just wouldn't let them lose that game yesterday you know like the goals he was on the ice for all five goals that the Canucks scored that's ridiculous that's crazy to think I mean you look at the goals and where they came from Brandon Sutter scores one Bo Horvat scores one Tanner Pearson scores one Brandon Sutter scores one and Quinn Hughes is on the ice for every single one he's on the ice for all five he literally just willed them into winning this series so I uh, loved what Quinn Hughes did, and uh, yeah, I thought he was excellent. And I thought it was funny. Like, shout out to that Finnish reporter who called into Travis Green's thing. That was, you know, that's about midnight our time. It's about seven a.m. their time. Woke up early. Probably watched the game to to pay attention to. Yeah. So shout out to that Finnish reporter. I think they're seven hours ahead of us. Yeah, we should get Sammy Salo back on the show. I wonder if he watched Yulevi's debut. Well, probably you not. you gonna tell the story of why he's not answering our calls? Did we tell this yet? No, no, no. That, well, you better tell it now. Well, I just I brought it up. The, the call didn't go through. But yeah, but it still I, came. It almost, started. I almost accidentally called Sammy Salo at like 1 a.m. I think if you accidentally dial, it still rings. No, a it doesn't. Bit. No, it doesn't. I'll show you. I, I do this all the time. I, I do this know. to get people's numbers. I do it all the time. I'll well, that's it. the thing. That's why I think Sammy's not answering your text is because you called and... and no, I'll show you. Through. Are you going to call Sammy Salo No, I'm right calling now? you. So I hang up. It doesn't come up. Okay, maybe that's you're how good fast then. I did it with Sammy. Okay, that's what she said. But uh, okay, let's <laughs> let's wrap this uh, this. Oh my episode gosh, up. get your head out of the gutter! No, no, no! Before we wrap up, oh come on, give me one of those. Oh my gosh! Okay, before <laughs> we wrap up, who do you think is better suited to face the Canucks? You know, man, I ain't ready to make this call yet. I ain't ready to make this call yet. I got to do some research. The next time we podcast, we're gonna know 
who the Canucks are playing in game one, and we're probably going to be watching game one when that episode comes out, or we're going to be previewing I game think one. We, I think we're going to record the day before that comes out, so yes. we'll get a good preview episode for you guys. Um, and it sounds like, you know, Drancer mentioned it, I think, in the call. Tuesday looks like the game one. Yeah, and it's either going to be we'll St. See. Louis or Dallas, for sure, which is literally the best-case scenario to those oh, four yeah, teams. Yeah, so much better. Like, I, Vegas and Colorado, I'm not confident. The I haven't done be. enough research yet, but I know the Canucks took, I think, five or six points against the... Yep. Against the Blues, yep. Um, but I also I like the way they match up against the Stars. But I gonna have to do more research before I make a. I'll make a, a good breakdown on the next week or on our next episode as we move to two shows a week. Love it, by the way. But I, I just off the initial feel, I I feel like I like the matchup against the Stars. Fair enough. Yeah. What about you? I I think so too. I think you know I see the value in both. I see, you know, I think really this is the best case scenario, and you know I don't want to look too far ahead, but I think the best case scenario is that Calgary faces up with Vegas and I think Calgary is capable of upsetting Vegas. And then I think if you meet, if the Canucks meet Calgary in the third round or sorry, the second round feels like the third round, the second round of the playoffs, if the Canucks beat Calgary, that's a legitimate chance to move on to the third round, which is something we didn't think they'd be able to do. But if they can match up with Calgary, I like their chances against the flames. I really do. You know what? It's from here on in, like, the Canucks are just going to live and die by Jacob Markstrom and the lotto line, pretty much. Yep. You know? And and they, they got to do what they did last night. When Markstrom's going to have to be really good for them to even be in games. And the lotto line's going to have to score goals. And Jacob Markstrom's going to, like I said, I think I said this months ago, but Jacob Markstrom's going to have to have a save percentage, like 920, for them yep. to move this far into the playoffs. Yep. All right. And he could. Can we? There's one thing we haven't mentioned yet, and I think we need to before we close it. How good has Tanner Pearson been, too? Yeah. Tanner Pearson's been really good, scores two Huge goals. To Huge make goals. Yep. Sets up probably the biggest goal of the series yep. when he set up Bo the Horvath there. Like we, I don't yep. know how we haven't talked about Tanner Pearson yet because there's been a lot of good on the Vancouver Canucks, but he who deserves you, some praise, Who man. you once said was a fourth liner. A good fourth liner, a I said. good fourth liner. And I have, yeah, I was glad that, <laughs> uh, that I was reinformed. Uh, he love was it. a good name. He fits in the Canucks top six, plays well. Um, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Tanner Pearson before the end of this because, yeah, I thought I thought he's been good. He's been Absolutely. really good. Uh you know, playing on that line with Louis Erickson. So I just want to give a quick little shout out at the end. So that basically wraps up. I got nothing else to say. Yeah, I think that wraps it up for Chris Faber. My name is David Quadrella. You have been listening to the Canucks Conversation. Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Grant. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 